Hello, everyone, and a good Friday morning to you. I'm Jason Mackey alongside or on the other side of the computer screen, I should say, with one Andrew Rowdy Destin. We have a lot to talk about here as the Pirates um, in the middle of a series against the Cubs. We are recording this, of course, before Thursday night's game. And we are, as always, brought to you by North Shore Tavern, your home for steak on a stone. If you'll love baseball, you'll also love the North Shore Tavern. It's an interior dedicated to the history of the Pirates, the North Shore Tavern, there's an array of delicious appetizers, entrees, cocktails, and of course, delicious steaks and seafood served on a sizzling lava stone. I had one myself the other night um, after the afternoon game. It was absolutely fantastic. Open every day, North Shore Tavern is a stone's throw away from PNC Park and Pittsburgh's home for steak on a stone. So, all right, pal, we got a lot to go through here. A lot of good, a lot of bad. I want to talk about the pitching. Uh, because the most recent thing we saw, and I'm going to flip my computer screen up a little bit, but the most recent thing we saw was Luis Ortiz not looking great, I would argue. And we also had some news before that with O'Neill Cruz. But we're going to lead off with Luis Ortiz, what we thought about that. Um, we were both in the ballpark. I was not encouraged by it. I'm frankly scared moving forward with what the heck we have here with him, even Rwanzi, Quinn Priester. What did you think? Are you, are you as worried as me? Can you talk me off the ledge, make me feel better about this? Unfortunately, I can't, and I might go as far to say that I'm most worried about him relative to the other yeah. two, which is saying a lot because Rowanzi had his own share of struggles back in June and July at the beginning of that month, and Quinn, we know the debut of the first six starts didn't go as intended. With Louie, it felt like they sent him down to AAA. It was middling results, some good, some bad, but overall really a mixed bag, and he comes back up here, and it's like, all right, let's walk five guys. Let's have 40 pitch innings. Like, let's just yeah. have, it all, have it all unravel in front of us, so. Um, it's definitely concerning about Louis, the velo, not throwing the 100 miles an hour like we saw in September of last year, too. It's not like he's, you know, inconsistent because he's overthrowing or something like that. Um, he's just over the middle of the plate with stuff that's not quite as electric as it was last year. And it makes you wonder, the last month of him being back down in the minors, how did he improve? What did he get better at? And I don't know that I saw a lot of that. I saw a lot of mislocation and just a lot of laboring through at bats against a Cardinals team that, yes, certainly still has some good hitters, but that's a last place team. Right. I mean, that's not something to be encouraged by. I'm a little in, uh, not encouraged, confused by why we even saw him start yesterday, Andrew. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, they need starters. They need innings. You have to force this guy up here out of need. I mean, I guess that's why you do it. I'm probably answering my own question. But yeah, to your point, there there was no discernible work done in the minor leagues or, or no results achieved. I should say like, yes, he was better against AAA hitters the past couple times out, although uh, without the stats in front of me, I believe his last start was kind of a dud. It wasn't like, oh, the the first three stunk and then he got much better over the last. Like, there was some okay. There was some bad in there too. I, I think it was like a 777 ERA in his time in the minors. And that warranted a call back up to the major leagues. I mean, it didn't. Like, they're doing this out of need. And that's that's the point. It just it concerns me that there's no progress made that they're that far down on pitching depth that they have to throw a kid out there like that. And, I mean, he just didn't look at all ready. He didn't look at all ready. And I'm only sort of holding out hope that what I keep telling myself, I mean, obviously they need Luis Ortiz to produce, right? And I, I wrote that prior to the game saying this is going to tell us a lot about where he's at, where the pitching depth is at, where the development is at. And if you go down that list, it's like F, 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 maybe an incomplete in there. Um, but I just, 
the only thing I'm telling myself is this is a young guy. I know he cares. I know he puts a lot of pressure on himself. And maybe he just put too much pressure on himself and lumped too much into this start and that that's not really him. But if this is the product from Luis Ortiz, yeah, I am I am very much worried because that what we saw yesterday doesn't play at this level, not whatsoever. Right. And it doesn't play regardless of the role, too. Right. Like you and I have talked about this before of, oh, is he going to stick as a starter? Is this somebody who you need? Oh, to yeah, yeah, yeah. 96 over the whole of the plate is going to get hit hard in the sixth, the first, the ninth, any of it. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's what's so concerning about it is it's one thing if it's OK. This is a guy who he's not letting it grip it and rip it. And you put him in the bullpen and he can be like a Johan Duran and throw triple digits. And you've got this money yeah. guy who maybe he can't stick as a starter, but like. You've got something there as a reliever. Like this is stuff that's just all together across the board concerning. And I think you bring up a good question of where does maybe not the blame, but where does the lack of development go? Is that on Louis? Is that on some of the people, you know, heading the pitching development with the pirates? I think there's a lot of questions to go around about a guy like this. Cause yeah. you feel like you've got a diamond, not diamond in the rough, but you feel like you've got something really special there with Louis, at least in terms of the arm talent. Um, and it's somebody who right now there are legitimate questions that I think need to be asked of, you know, is this a guy who can stick in the big leagues if and when? And if not, and I'm not saying cut your losses, but like this is the second time up and it's arguably less, uh, you know, it, it's arguably less convincing than the first time up. It's only one start. I don't want to be the overreaction guy, but it's it's definitely worrisome. When did he become Louie, by the way? <laughs> Keep going, I, Louie. I, I got to say, that one was coming in and out. That's just based on uh, Derek Shelton throwing that one in me. So I'm subject to the Sheltonisms, I guess. We all are. We all we talked about this last week on the YouTube show. Yeah. The organization. And you, you talk a certain way around hockey, you talk a certain way around baseball. Like I use the terminology out, you know, in like everyday life. I would just let's just bang it. And and people who aren't around baseball are like, well, bang it. What the heck are you talking about? But <laughs> bang a game happens. Yeah. So okay. We covered that, but the other thing to come out of Wednesday that I thought was interesting was Cruz. Um, and I think there's a couple different ways we can go about this. But you were the one who covered Todd Tomzik talking to the media. So please illuminate everybody on what Todd, Dr. Todd had to say. And then we're going to kick it around a little bit. So I've got some thoughts on this. And I actually don't think it's the worst thing in the world. But what did Todd say? The 30-second summary, as best I can with my elongated answers. Um, with Cruz, all the past month, past two months, all the talk has been about progress. It has been plateaued, is the word that Tom Todd, Todd Tomzik used. He is no longer running. Um, he, seven to ten days ago, felt soreness in that left foot and stopped the running program, which, as we know, was the last hurdle, basically, to beginning a rehab assignment. Uh, discussion of the rehab assignment is no longer on the table. For the time being, uh, getting him back to running is, and that's not happening right now or for the foreseeable future. He can still play catch, but he's no longer fielding ground balls, which was out of precaution from the team. They feel he could do it, but given the injury to the foot, they're putting that on pause for the time being. Um, and yeah, everything's on the table in terms of what they can do to get him back to game competition. But the quote that really res resonated with me, in addition to the plateauing, uh, was Todd Tomczyk saying, we're running out of time. We don't have many games yeah. left. Uh, in reference to when O'Neill Cruz could start a rehab assignment. So uh, not great news, certainly, in terms of getting it back for this year. Um, but they they seem to think there's no long-term implications, which take with that what you may. But that's the latest on O'Neill Cruz. Thank you, sir. And that was more than 30 <laughs> seconds, but that was okay. That was a, a comprehensive summary. Um, <laughs> here's where I stand on that. Good. Good. I mean, not that I'm rooting for O'Neill Cruz not to play. It's the exact opposite. But 
Do I care about one month of games where it could potentially be risking something in a lost season? No, I don't. I would much rather have him healthy, ready to go for spring training. Another thing that Tom's talked about, and I don't know if you hit on this or not, but you know, the idea of wanting to get him competition in like the instructional league or in the Arizona Fall League, that's fantastic. They should they should do that. Um, and I'm not just giddy because that might net me a trip to Bradenton or Arizona in the fall, which would not mind going to see Mr. Cruz. Um, but in any case, you can have a little bit more of a controlled environment. And I mean, ultimately, let, let, let's be honest here. I mean, he's one of, if not the most important person on this roster to the Pirates' future. They have to get him back healthy, productive. They should not rush anything. And, and that's that's what I took away from Todd's comments. And hearing him say the part you quoted about we're running out of time, you're – I respect Todd's position, but you're out of time. Yeah. You're out of time. It's August 24th. It'll be August 25th when people watch this. He's not running. If we have to go through a seven to 10 day running progression to get back up, we're, you know, first week of September into the second week of September, rehab assignment. What's that going to be? Two weeks. Okay. So we rehab for two weeks. All to what? Come back for a homestand or something? I just, I can find, and that's, that's if everything this very moment, improves and everything that he's feeling dissipates it's it's just not going to happen and that's fine um but this sort of extends it a little bit we're, we're not rushing in just for the sake of saying we got competition in it almost takes the bat out of their hands in a way and i mean assuming that second piece of information is correct where there's no long-term implications of this which there shouldn't be i mean if you're going to say you have a year to recover from ankle surgery like in all serious, I mean that 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 should be good, and that's about what we're looking at here, at least you know game wise to game wise. So, I'm a little bit relieved, honestly. What do you think? Yeah, I'm in the same camp as you in that respect. And I think another point too, just to talk about the rehab assignment a little bit more, is that like, it, you know, him coming back. I'm not going to say it would have been you know apples to apples comparison to G-Man Choi with the Achilles strain, but like when G-Man Choi came back, it was a lot of DH at the forefront of it, and then getting back into the field. Um, there's yeah. a difference between playing first base and shortstop um, for O'Neill Cruz to come back and play short and to again, do so at the big league level. That's just going to take a lot of time requires a lot of runway. Um, and not to mention, you know, the injury concern of that um, that's a position you are moving laterally quite a good deal. So that's something that I was certainly yeah. concerned about for his sake. And for the Pirates' sake is like, if you rush a guy back who has that kind of injury at a position that necessitates using your lateral mobility that necessitates putting a lot of pressure on your left ankle. Oh, every time you throw to first base or every time you go to a backhand side to field the ground ball, like there's just a lot at play there. So I'm with you in the sense that like, take the time. Um, this takes the bat out of their hand, like you said, and get to the instructional league, get to the fall league, let the guy slowly work his way back into it. DH a bunch of games, get a lot of hitting reps slowly but surely get back into playing shortstop maybe it's only for a few innings a game until you gradually build it back up like take advantage of those resources right that's why those exist in baseball is for those guys or for the guys yeah. who were draft picks in june and now they can like or in july now they can lengthen out and keep playing baseball deep into the into the fall like these are more opportunities for guys who didn't get them at the for beginning of the season so use it and don't force it for an October home series against the Marlins when it's Steelers season, right? <laughs> and, mo and most of all, most importantly, just go to the Arizona Fall League so I can yeah. I can go and see it and write about it and catch exactly. up with O'Neill and watch him play. And I mean that that's what this is really all about. 
here's my personal needs and desires. Um, no, <laughs> not really. I'm kidding. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy about that part. And I do think about the long-term implications of this too. I'm curious what you think about position-wise, contract-wise. Should this change anything? Do you think it will change anything with, you know, do you think Cruz might think, that hundred million dollar contractor. I'm not saying they offered him a hundred million dollar contract. I'm just saying that, you know, any discussions, um, you know, that were had and they did have them. Um, they did not get terribly close, have not gotten terribly close, but you know, do, do you think this could change anything? Does it make you rethink about the outfield at all? I think it, uh, yeah, not just the outfield, but another place my mind goes is first base, which, you know, that's no, no, I, I go there because what if the ankle is not the same? What if he can't move, man? Like, what if it's not the same? And I, I'm, I'm jumping the gun. I'm jumping the gun in the sense that we don't know how he's going to respond from this. But six, seven frame. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I'm but just no. happy you disagree with me on something. I don't care. You could say put him on the moon. I'd be happy. <laughs> Have a I take. I, All right. Yeah, this is my hot take. My hot take is the guy is big. He can field um, his best talent is arguably his arm, but – you know, if it gets to a point where he returns and it's, hey, this guy can't move laterally well at short, then who's to say that going back and in on fly balls is great for left field or right field, right? That's, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm taking an overtly cautious pr approach to this, but that's where I had. Um, and how that relates to the contract talk is I think if you're O'Neill Cruz and you get into, you know, October, November, you're playing these fall league games and you recognize that you're not able to play shortstop to the same ability that you once were. And maybe that's, you know, because it's the early stages, you're still coming back from it. It'd make me think twice um, because if the Pirates are still offering you, if they were, yeah. of course, to offer you nine figures, you got to think at some point, man, I'm an unknown uh, product at this point. I'm an unknown asset just in the sense of my health status. Maybe I take the Pirates for what they're worth. And if I come back and I'm just a first baseman and I hit for power and, you know, I do all these great things at the plate, but I'm not the same athlete as I once was, then maybe you're getting a two-war player instead of a five-war player or a three instead of a six, which, you know, again, speaking in hyperbole, but the point of me saying that is that yeah. if he comes back and he's no longer a shortstop, that $100 million contract is more so going to a guy uh, that's, you know, less of a quote-unquote unicorn like we've used to describe O'Neill Cruz. So I'm, th I'm speaking a lot of hypotheticals, but if I'm him, I'm thinking about it uh, just based on who knows what position he's at come 2024. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm on record. I'm not changing my thoughts. I don't want to move him to first base. To me, that doesn't make sense. I hate the idea of moving him or Henry Davis to first base. Their arms are too good. I can find somewhere else for them to play and work with them. I also think it's important. I, I know how much O'Neill wants to play shortstop and I want to see him play there and I want to see that work out. Now that takes me to your point. I do understand if he's not moving laterally as well as he needs to to play the position, then that needs to be a different conversation. That needs to be, yeah. is outfield easier? Not necessarily sure it is. Maybe first bit. I mean, that's, like you said, a lot in hypotheticals. But I would like it to be shortstop, and I'm going to give him every opportunity to do that. Business-wise, I find that fascinating. What ends up happening contract-wise? Um, and what I know about the O'Neill Cruz contract negotiations with the Pirates, I don't know exact numbers, but I know that it it there the Pirates are over here. O'Neill Cruz is over here. You know, it is not. It has not gotten anywhere close to this. Um, I'm just curious whether this sort of begats that. You know, if Cruz says, you know what, what they're offering doesn't really sound that bad right now, and I just played nine games or whatever it was, um, maybe that assurance would work out for me. I also can see the argument in Cruz's eyes of saying, you know what, I'm not taking this now. My stock is as low as it'll ever be. 
I'm going to bet on myself. I can come through and produce in 2024. And then next off season going to be a completely different picture. I'm going to have my value spike or whatever. I, you know, it's a risk, but if I'm O'Neill Cruz and I know what my abilities are, I also feel pretty good about that risk. So anyway, I would, I would fully expect the pirates as they should to come in and try to use this time as a, as a great time to negotiate and talk and try to get something done at a discount. Any team in their situation should, but whether it comes together, I do not know. So, all right, that's, that's one part of it. I also, uh, you know, we'll wrap up the cruise talk with that, but we have an interesting day ahead on Saturday too. Um, I'm going to stay here in Pittsburgh and do the Hall of Fame stuff. And I believe you are going to head out to Altoona and see Mr. Paul Skeens. Um, yeah. So a divide and conquer special. Looking forward to it. I have never done the Hall of Fame thing. Last year, I missed that one. Uh, Mike Persak covered that for us. And you have not seen Skeens pitch in person, if I'm not mistaken. So You're correct. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm jealous of you. You got to see him down there in, uh, down there in yeah. Bradenton. So what's, what's I get one and you might get three. Yeah, you'll probably get two, actually. But Yeah, well, we'll have a sold out crowd for? there. Well, first and foremost, I'm looking forward to a curve burger. No, uh, first and foremost, <laughs> uh, without what's tuna. What's with you? You get Paul Skeens, you want a burger? I was making a joke. I thought it would go over well. Right. You're serious. You're no, probably no, no, going to no. eat that pizza with the weird American cheese on it, aren't you? No, not I will say that content's been great to take in. I'm not going to eat any of that. There's no chance of that. No, no it's offense the, to the Altoona pizza. That's one of the most offensive things. I've, I, I, I'm upset for pizza in general. Like I, I sympathize with pizza that someone is masquerading that as something that is even remotely edible. Like just put spray cheese on it at that point. That's disgusting. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> I have no idea. And the ingredients too, like the combo, it's like I had somebody describe it to me as each individual item you can eat by itself, but putting it all together just makes it a wild experience. Yes. Yeah. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. But no, I, mean, yeah. I, would, I would just, I would just assume pack peanut butter and jelly, which you might do by the way, with sure. the, the, the way you trust. generally eat lunches and dinners, but no, <laughs> I, wait till you see him, man. You're, you're going to yeah. love it. And I, I know you'll do this anyway. I don't, I, I don't know how possible it even is in Altoona, but try to watch him warm up. Try to watch him warm up and see what you can see. Stretching, activation, getting loose, stuff off the mound. In Bradenton, obviously, you know the setup there in the boardwalk, and you get to see every second of that. It was so cool. That was my favorite part of watching him. I, I hope you get a chance to do that. Yeah. No, I'm so pumped for that. I, I, there's so many aspects of it I'm excited for, for that, for just to see him – compete on the mound to see you know i mean it's going to be sold out crowd with everybody engaged to see this guy who's obviously such a hot commodity out here in pittsburgh it's like there's so many facets to it um and, you know obviously with everything you've wrote about him from your time down in the bradenton seems just like an upstanding guy um i've only yeah. met him through formal press conference settings but somebody i'm just excited to meet in general too so it's not just the competitor and see him hit triple digits with the fastball um and also i guess one other point just to get a little technical with it is um you know see the sinker i'm curious i mean that's not something he threw in college um it's something he added a little bit there in bradenton so um whether that's chatting up with him about that or just kind of seeing it in person i'm curious how that plays because you know it's a few ticks down on the velocity but uh it's been effective i mean everything he's thrown he likes he likes it too he said that was something they didn't want him to throw much in college so he never did but he had it before that and it, it it Sort of drives me nuts with them making everybody throw a sinker. I feel like this is not it, but it's still going to be taken as it. 
So we, we need to do kind of damage control, be like, no, 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 Paul Skeens really likes this. Like, I, I don't think the organization is going to really change much with Paul, but if he wants to throw a sinker, I don't think there's really anything wrong with it. I mean, you're, he essentially has five. That's actually something I said to him in Bradenton about, like, dude, I didn't realize you threw five pitches when they drafted you. Like I, I knew fastball, really good slider and an above average changeup. I didn't know that the slider had like different shapes, velocities. He was really into manipulating it. And I didn't know about the sinker. Obviously, I don't think a lot of people did. So, yeah, that's that's been something, too. And he's like the outing I saw, he was trying to get some of the the breaking stuff and was having a little bit more fun with the slider. The outing after him, I think that Sunday night one in Bradenton, he was throwing a lot of changeups. Um, sinker's been out. So it, it'll be interesting what you do get to see because he's kind of, yeah, he's kind of touched everything and we'll see what he goes with. Yeah. He's been all over it with trying different stuff, which I mean, that's exactly what you want to see from a young pitcher, right? I mean, yeah. this is the time to experiment with all the different, all the different offerings. And so, yeah, there's a lot to be excited about, but you've got a lot to be excited about in Pittsburgh too, with Hall of Fame I stuff. I do. I'm pumped for this, man. I really am. Um, I wrote a piece that's live on our site now. Talk to team historian, Jim Trudenich about this class and, um, it, it's, it's interesting to me. I think there are some defining characteristics here that maybe I didn't think about initially. Maybe other people didn't think about Dick Grote, Elroy face, Kent Acaldi, Bob friend. Um, you can say all except Grote, defined by pitching, really good pitching. One thing I talked to Jimmy T about, um, Teak and Elroy face two closers, revolutionary relievers cannot get one without the other. So they wanted to get them both in at the same time. Totally fair. Another thing that I guess I didn't realize that obviously Grote is from here and that's widely acknowledged. And I knew individually that like Pittsburgh has been Teak's adopted home, same with face, same with friend, whatever, but just like how entrenched in the community these guys became. And I wrote about that in this story, like involved at the alumni association, um, you know, friend selling insurance, which again, I, I knew, but didn't know Elroy face was a carpenter for crying out loud. Like that's just, hilarious wow. to me that he did that in the off season and then became a full-time carpenter after he retired. He's lived in North for sales forever. Um, you know, Teak is around and doing all kinds of stuff. I, I remember going to his rotary club event last year. That's really neat. It, you know, he's coached a ton of baseball and stuff and was a scout for the pirates, and you know, Teak from being on TV or whatever, but just guys that played here, won here, loved it here and made it their home. So I have never had a bad conversation with Teak. It's always good to see him. I actually saw Blast last night. You missed it. He, Blast was around the press box. Tell, or, no, you saw him. You saw him. Never mind. Um, he was around telling jokes, just constantly hilarious. So those events are always fun for me. It is, you know, covering the older Pirates stuff. And again, I'm 39. I was not alive for a lot of it, but my dad talked to me constantly about who these guys are and made sure that I understood who Dave Parker was and the significance of Dave Parker. And so to be able to cover that and be around it. Um, it is an honor. It is a thrill. And I can't wait for, for Saturday. I'm sure it's going to be a really, really awesome event. So that's my side of it. We have one more topic I wanted to get into, Andrew. And that was a story that you have online today, something we talked about yesterday about their offense. The jumping off point was Andrew McCutcheon's first career three-double game, which is insane to me. 1,997 yeah. <laughs> Major League Baseball games. It's the first time he had three doubles in a game. But I think there's more to be talked about there. And you went into it with Key Brian Hayes has been a lot better. Um, Brian Reynolds has been a lot better. And basically what I want to get to is just an overall assessment of the offense and where they stand. 
Like, I don't, I don't think we need to drill too deep into Andrew McCutcheon. He's been good. We know what he is. The approach has yep. been excellent. I think Hayes is important. We've batted that around. On the other side of it, Jack Sawinski has not been very good. Um, I know I, for one, I wrote about this in uh, off the bat for Sunday. Like, I'm not as worried about Jack. I think he's going to be just fine. But I understand people being concerned about it. So, anyway, I'm going to throw the ball to you with what is in the story. And then, what do you, you know, do you see progress from the offense? If not, what concerns you? Yeah, I think uh, I'll start with the latter point and say overall I do see progress. And I think it's interesting because um, I go back to that New York series against the Mets where you lose two out of three and the offense really only comes because of a Mets screw-up where they have a terrible inning in the sixth or seventh. I forget which inning it was. But aside from that, the offense was pretty much stagnant. But in that series, they also took some crazy number of pitches. and I forget exactly what it was. It was like over 500 or 600. Yeah, so it was like – they're being patient. They're looking at all these pitches, but nothing's really coming of it. Um, and so that angered a lot of people of like, hey, they're keeping the bat on the shoulders. They're taking all these called strikeouts. And people have been quick to point to your Connor Joes, your Jack Swinskis, guys like that who are patient, have good eyes, draw walks, but also take a lot of called strikeouts. I think the most encouraging thing um, from a lot of those guys, you mentioned a, a Hayes, a Reynolds. Connor Joe is somebody who I think has had four doubles in his last five hits or something like that. Like it's more aggressive swings which is in stark contrast to what we saw for a couple of months there from these guys. And it's really just been a last like series, two series turnaround that twins series. We saw signs of it. It just wasn't working for them. Um, I know people want to talk about the sunny gray and the Dallas Keuchel, how they were almost getting perfect game or no hit in those games, but they also were putting the ball in play. They weren't striking out. Like they were, those guys had low pitch counts because they were being aggressive. Sometimes that leaves you victim to five innings of 50 pitch, no hit ball against you, but also can lead to bigger innings. And, we saw that in the Cardinals series, and I think that goes across the board. So Connor Joe has had this opportunity at first base, and he's kind of running with it as Alfonso mm-hmm. Rivas has struggled since they got him. He's somebody that you look at as maybe if he's a bench guy or a platoon guy in your roster next year, you're not too upset with that. Because I think altogether he's been about as advertised. Um, yep. And then obviously with Reynolds now playing up a little bit closer to what he's been valued at with that contract, with Hayes swinging a hot stick, um, you know, Sawinski is certainly a concern. Um, the month of August, a forgettable one. Having a healthy Henry would help a lot. Um, but you look up and down the roster, and we're not even talking about guys like Leover Piguero, who really shined in that New York series. He's been nice there, both defensively at either second or short, and hitting the ball as well. Um, Jason DeLay has really done exactly what you need as a backup catcher um, since he's come back up. And Andy is swinging a hotter bat, a more consistent bat, with the only thing really escaping him is some of that extra base pop. So, you look up and down the lineup, there's a lot to be excited about. Um, I think the only thing you would really say is you'd like a little bit more home run power, but up and down the lineup, there's a lot of things to be happy about. And uh, it's getting closer, um, albeit with obviously some new parts included into it, but it's a closer, healthier lineup, I think, to what we saw in April. Um, obviously not a 20-8 and eight team, but uh, I think we're just seeing a roster that is more cohesive, is more athletic, is more healthy, and that's just creating better results, and it's altogether more aggressive. That's kind of my big takeaway. Yeah, and Reynolds, by the way, I wanted to look this up. I haven't checked it in a little bit, but his last 29 games, that dates back to July 23, uh, basically July 23 through yesterday, 295 average, 574 slug, 922 OPS, five doubles, triple, nine homers. I mean, that's Brian Reynolds. Yeah. That's Brian Reynolds. That's what they paid for, um, and I think that helps a lot of it. But I agree with you that the offense, we actually have seen some signs of encouragement here. And I think Connor Joe, I would argue, has maybe even been better than expected. 
Um, and let's remember too, what's going on here obviously is without O'Neill Cruz. That's a, a big part of this thing should be a big part of this thing. I think there's been a fair amount of disappointment. You know, I understand being upset about Jack Sawinski. Um, stuff that's happened in the middle infield has not been great. You can go back to Tucapita Marcano, Rodolfo Castro, um, Nick Gonzalez, Alika Williams. I, I put less on Alika because he's not really anybody who expected we expected to add much offense, but he hasn't added much offense. Pagaro has been good at times. I, I believe he leads the team in RBIs over the last maybe since he came up last month, something like that. But I mean, he's produced. He's been very good. Um, Rivas, um, there's, I, I, I don't see much there. I think, you know, young guys, I probably would have liked to see more from Henry uh, of late. I, you know, him playing hurt is a different part of it. Andy, same deal. Um, but I think there's a lot there. Jack is a big part of the equation to me. If he's going at the good version of himself, whether that's matchup based or not striking out or whatever, um, a huge part of their lineup talking three, four, five cleanup hitter type power and production. Obviously it hasn't been that needs to be a priority to get him back here. I don't agree with the idea of sending him down. I don't think there's anything to gain there. I like him working it out up here. Um, But again, I have seen some offensive improvements that allow me to feel better about this. Yeah. And and not to be the agreement guy, but I'm right there with you with Swinsky. (laughs) I mean, I I don't think you gain much though by sending him down, right? That just snaps confidence more. And that really kind of misses the beat of this is somebody who just needs to kind of work through it. And maybe that's more, Days off, two days off, whatever it may be. But the way I kind of view and it, it is might just, just be not playing them against lefties. Maybe yeah. that's just what it is. And and I know I was the advocating play them against lefties guy. Um, that also took it in the toilet. So like, I'll be wrong. I'll admit I don't need to see anything else. He can't hit lefties, but if he can hit righties, well, I'm I'm largely okay with that. Like if that's just what Jack is at this point in his career, whatever. I'll take it. I don't like him in the leadoff spot. I don't like him hitting lefties. Just put him in in against righties. And if that's the production you're going to get, fine. You're going to need to find a compliment there. But, you know, maybe the Pirates can find some compliment um, somewhere else and make the pieces fit together. They've done that before. I just, yeah, you need to get a healthy, productive, not a healthy, it's not like a, a health issue, but you just need to have Jack back productive being what he has been in the past. Right. Maybe taking healthy swings, maybe, because that was something that, yeah, there, there, there was a stretch there. It was a lot of non-competitive ABs, but I feel like it's, you know, trending slightly in the better direction. But uh, only time will tell. And uh, this has been a lot. We had a lot to unwrap here, Jason. There was a lot, a lot of, a lot of yeah. chatting, a lot of chatting on this podcast, but it was a fun one. And uh, with that, we've unfortunately run out of time. But uh, as always, lots to talk about in Buckers Baseball. We'll have more coming up soon. And be sure to hit the like button and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay updated with our latest content. And if you haven't already, check out our subscription deal in the description. $6, six months of access. There's plenty of sports news to keep up with. And we will catch you next time. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you enjoyed the video, please like it and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out our Apple Podcast channel for more podcast content. Click below for a special deal of $0.99 for a three-month subscription to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette.